hundreds of pages, thousands of words, millions of letters. Welcome to the Kanja Book Club. The price of admission? What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Kanja Book Club, the weekly Star Wars Book Club podcast brought to you by the Teeny Podcast Network. This is the show where we intentionally experience Star Wars stories together one month at a time. Today, we are talking Into the Dark by Claudia Gray, chapters 15 through 20. This is episode 32. I am one of your hosts, Timothy Guthrie, and I am here with someone who wished he rocked as much as Geo does, Adam Dyson. How you doing, friend? I'm I'm going very well, Timothy, and you're right, I'm not Geode. I can't rock as much as Geode or hail Geode, so... You're you're more like gravel. You're more like gravel, right? I'm the gravel underneath Geode. He's just stepping on me, Timothy. Adam, don't stand for that (laughs) slander. That is slander. If there was any other character, Patrick, that he used in this scenario that wasn't Geode, I'd just, I'd just leave Zoom. I'd be like, I'm out. He's like, click. Can't take go, this anymore. I'm, <laughs> I'm taking my microphone and going but he said, uh, But he said Geode, and that's true. Geode steps on all. <laughs> yeah, he does. Well, and the, the guy that you heard yelling slander, like the drunkle that he is, Patrick McIntosh is here hey, with us. Hey, How are hey, you? Hey, How are you, friend? Hey, I am Tip Sane. No, I'm just kidding. <gasps> Doing well, guys. <laughs> Already, this is going to be so much fun. I could just tell. I had a thought the other day. What if, like, you're on the ship oh, no. and Geo steps on your toes? Are they automatically broken? Absolutely. <laughs> like, did your just did your foot Absolutely. fall off? It just like turns blue and black and just shrivels up. <laughs> I think I think that he's so powerful that the atoms in your toes split, causing a nuclear explosion. Just... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mike, I don't know if Geode actually takes steps or not. That's that is that is a fantastic question, and you asked great questions last week too. I mean, like you asked if Geo got stoned, and that's something that we don't know, but probably I mean, there is there is dope in the ship, plenty of it, which we're going to talk about. But remember, it's medicinal. That is true. Oh man, well I am so glad to have all of you guys here um, with me. Glad to have our friends listening to us as well. We are live in Discord every Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern, and our episodes hit the Uteni Network feeds every Tuesday morning right around midnight. However you're listening to us, welcome. Some updates. Uteni Network is alive and well. I'm super excited to see everything that is um, coming out, that is happening. Um, we've got some fun um, new podcasts that are, are being worked on consistently, some special guests in the pipelines. Um, now that we are everywhere you listen to podcasts, please leave a review. Help us out. Help people find us. Um, any five-star review that's there will get more people into our community, hopefully. Um, so we would definitely appreciate it. That's um, You can go and give some love to Calf Faves and Star Wars Archives, Conja Book Club, Legends Look Back, The Living Force. I know that we would all super appreciate it. Um, some news about me. Uh, this last Thursday night, I made an appearance on Legends Look Back. kind of happened spur of the moment. We talked Dark Empire 2. Got to talk a little bit about some Naked Palpatine. That was always fun. Um, and we also, not introduced, uh, but we got to to continue the legacy of Hot Dog Boba Fett. And I don't really know what that's about. Uh, you need to listen to the Cosmic Force episode, uh, this most recent one, to figure all that out. So I'm just, it's all very exciting. I love love the connectivity that we have um, <laughs> amongst amongst our shows all the friends. Uh, it's fantastic. Mike, you know you love that you know all this. Uh, but anyways, check out that episode on YouTube. Um, it is live there now. Um, it should also be dropping into your podcast feeds this coming Tuesday. Same day that you get Conjure Book Club. Tuesdays are like Utini's most, I think, saturated day of releasing things. Oh, yeah. That's when we get news. It's, it's when new Star Wars book news or when Star Wars books usually drop. You get two Utini episodes. Like Tuesday is maybe like the greatest day ever. Even though it's traditionally Monday's hangover, it's a great day for us. Timothy, you don't have hangovers when you're the drunkle. You just get mo drunk. You just you you drink to move past knowing that exactly. it's there. Right? That's what Bloody Marys are for in mimosas. Feeling a hangover. Let's keep drinking so I don't feel it, it anymore. Exactly. <laughs> I got you. That is that is that is unhealthy. As I choke on my drink. He's choking. Oh gosh. Kids, don't 
don't don't do what the drunkle says to do. It's not good. Other news on Patreon, we are working on the time for our Bad Batch uh, watch party. Um, you know, trying to work around schedules is really difficult, especially when you're working with a bunch of doctors who like, you know, save people and stuff. So um, we will have more news coming on that soon, but that, that'll be May the 4th. Um, sometime that evening, our Inquisitorious patrons and up will be able to join us, uh, the Utini staff, for a Bad Batch watch party. And then our book schedule in May, we have Thrawn Ascendancy, Greater Good by Timothy Zahn and... And, like, this is hot off the presses. Y'all are the first to know. We're going to have a special guest the whole month of May. The one, the only, the legendary Cheryl K. Bell is going to join us for the month of May to talk about our favorite blue boy. I am so excited. Guys, how do you feel about having Cheryl on? Patrick, you missed it last time. This is proof that you're not actually fired as long as you're both there at the same time, right? Um, I think so. As long as I think Corey said, as long as I don't fail my next drug test, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Good. You need to lay off that drunkle energy. Adam, are you excited to duke it out with Cheryl live on the air again? I am. And class will be back in session, Timothy, because we're all going to get schooled for a whole Absolutely. Month. And this is all about our canon boy now. So we got we got the legends goodness, um, and now we get to get into the canon, canon blue boy. I'm excited for it. And then in June, we have another special guest that I'm still not going to reveal yet, because you, you just can't have too much good news in one episode. Um, in June, we're going to be covering the Age of Rebellion limited comic series... Um, special guest to be announced sometime in the near future. So just hold on to that. Do you even have Do you even have a guest, Tim? You've been teasing us for like yeah, three so years now. What I have, I, I fine. I guess I'll reveal it now. Uh, what I what? No, 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 no. no, no what I have no, not told you guys is after my experience with Legends Look Back this last week, I actually have cloned myself, and so we will be joined by my clone in June. That's what's happening. All right, so we can be let down twice? Okay. Right. Are you going to be wearing clothes? Is the clone wearing clothes? Guess you'll just have to find out. Because <laughs> that coincides I mean, with our first fair, video episode. Yeah. It is on Zoom. <laughs> so if he's not wearing clothes, that's kind of par for the course. Yep, we are talking Into the Dark, chapters 15 through 20. This is your spoiler warning. If you have not read the book and you plan to do so soon, continue at your own risk. Reeling from the news of Master Jorah's death, Wreath goes to the Padawan training area. After nearly taking the head off of a training droid, he finds the Kyber Arch. He climbs up, successfully walks across, but he still doesn't understand what his master meant by not being able to do it alone. He's called to a council briefing about the Starlight Beacon area and learns about the Nile. They're mysterious, but he makes the connection that Nan had blue streaks in her hair just like them. Wreath tells the council of his experiences, and he's glad that Leox, or Geode possibly, could transmit more information to the briefing. He's upset that Nan was pumping him for information, and he wants to go back to the station and hold them accountable. Council's not a fan of the idea, but he does need new purpose, and this is a very complex situation. Masters prematurely dying on their Padawans is a relatively new experience, but we learn that it is up to him to choose when he's ready to resume training. All he can think about is how badly he wants to arrest Haig and Nan, Meanwhile, Affy meets with her foster mom, Scoverburn. She's a bivalve woman and thus not super attached, but still caring in her own way. They get some good quality time in and are treated with some lovely ice treats. Over the course of conversation, Affy tries to talk about what she's found back on the station, but Scoover doesn't seem shocked. She's definitely hiding something. As soon as Affy gets a chance, she puts the droids to sleep in their fancy, luxurious hotel, and a perk pokes through Scover's data pads in their suite. The guild uses indentured servants, and her parents were among them. We learn that they died in servitude at the Maxine station. Um, she has to get used to carrying all this weight, knowing that they sacrificed themselves for her eventual freedom. She tries to rationalize her standing with the Bind Guild and Scover, and decides they need to go back to the station and get records that will convince Scover to change. Meanwhile, in the depths of the temple, the idols seem to only display the barrier that was put on them. There's nothing wrong with them. They were holding the dark side on the station, not containing it. They were force dampeners. Orla and Komak speak with the Council about the idol error, but the Council doesn't want them going back to the station. But of course, 
they go anyway. They grab Breathe, who is uh, reading some George Mann Legends collections uh, about the core worlds, and suggests that eh, showing initiative, let's call it that, is perfectly acceptable. Our Jedi and Vessel crew are reunited with the Stolen Idols, and they head out. When they drop from hyperspace, a full Nile storm is present. They attach the ship to an asteroid for hiding purposes, and after some fancy maneuvering, they spacewalk the Idols to the station. They can feel the darkness immediately. Splitting up to handle their respective tasks, Wreath goes back to where Dez died, finds himself on the other side of the same door, and in a ship of some kind. Next thing you know, he is being hurtled through hyperspace. As he is tractor beamed onto a planet, he sees similar vines from what he saw on the station. He hears wrestling in the trees around him. He feels the dark side and ignites his lightsaber. He only sees plants. These plants are holding blasters. He plays interested in them as a historian might while making some tactical plans of his own. The plants refer to themselves as the Dringer, and they have another piece of meat already in their care. Dez is alive. Holy cow. But he's not the same. He eventually comes to Wreath, and he immediately leaps at him with his lightsaber. Lightsaber dueling class was always cool, but it was never practical. Now it's keeping Wreath alive. He reaches into the Force, fills Dez's mind uh, with memories and grief of Jorah's death. Taking advantage of the moment, Wreath strikes and takes Dez home. Back on the station, Affy heard the same sound through the ship as she heard when Dez died. It's mechanical in nature. And then she spots Nan. She contacts Leox and learns the Nile are moving in. Comac, elsewhere on the station, feels a consciousness, murderous intent. They hear wrestling footsteps and find these thorn vine tentacles moving, super creepy. It's the Dringer. And they say, finally, some meat. They fight. It's kind of like the Arby's commercial. Oh, God. Right? <laughs> we have the meat. <laughs> Sorry. Random tangent. Uh, as the vines, uh, or they fight, Orla drops a bower on the Dringer, and as the vines fall... Uh, the droids attack them. She and Comac bind the Dringer again with some time on their side now. And when they go to the airlock to leave and escape, they find Haig waiting for them with his blaster drawn. 25 years earlier, there are no more serpents. Orla and Comac talk about the loss of his master. Attachment is unfair and the Jedi may be wrong. Orla's experience with the Force is different from others, but she can't let Comac drag her away. He's resigned to be a better example of his master's teachings. They arrive beneath the captors. They'll find their way eventually and save the rulers, but they're too close to turn their lightsabers on. Her master had rules and had them on track, even though Orla says to trust her instincts. Um, the rulers think that the Jedi are near, and they still don't know why they hate each other. Uh, pride and ignorance has gotten the better of them, obviously. Lord Isamer is having a bad day, and Thendeka knows that it could always get worse. They need to find a way to get the Jedi's attention. She's resigned herself to dying, but then... She finds a little communications thing and uh, decides to find a way to access it. Let the Jedi know that they're there. They get the unit. They flip it open, start pressing buttons. Orla feels it and knows that it's the captors. And that's where we end. Things are heating up this week. Section is all kinds of intense. Dez is alive. What in the world? Um, let's just get right into it. Let's talk about the 25, 25 years earlier section, just because it's the most recent thing we talked about. It's the shortest thing to talk about, and we got to move on to the meat of the rest of this part of my pun. Um, one of the things that Orla mentions in this section, and she's been kind of talking about, is how instinct plays such a, a big role for her. And she's questioning like where it fits within the Force and all that. Um, Patrick, let's start with you. What role... Does instinct slash intuition play in the force? And how do you tell the difference? Something she's trying to figure out. Is there a difference? Instinct? Ah, well, instinct and feeling like I was, it always brought me back to like the um, training of Luke of don't trust your feelings, but trust the force. But at the same time, it's mm -hmm. like, aren't they the same? Like, isn't the, once you're like in tune with the force, it's going to be your feelings. Like it's going to. It's going to mm. guide your emotions. It's going to guide your intuition. That's how I thought that. Like, once you get to a certain level of being in tune. Oh, why, thank you, Cheryl. She put us the great coat from the late, great Obi-Wan Kenobi. Let your conscious self, let go your conscious self and act on instinct. See? See? Mm. Okay. Okay. Quoting our boy Obi-Wan. There's definitely some credibility there. Adam, what do you think? 
what role does instinct intuition play? Could it be different? How do you tell the difference? Go for it. I think there's a little bit of a difference. Like you look at um, instinct as like really like a hardwired thought process that I think, you know, the force could potentially affect if you are force attuned. Um, you know, instincts like survival, etc., like mm-hmm. for the human race. But then the force having its own, um, you know, really effect on your conscious and subconscious. But then, uh, you know, in- intuition comes into it as well. Like it's <clears throat> like a gut feeling. Um, we all have those anyway, but the force might just be, it could has the potential to magnify that feeling in you. Um, so th- I think the force has a role to play in both. And I think they both are, are different yeah. in their own ways. It, it's really interesting. And I think sometimes it can depend, like instinct may be a good thing. Um, depending on who has it, right? Like um, Anakin was relying on instinct, I think, when he decides, yeah, I'm going to trust Palpatine to to save my wife. Like that probably didn't, that didn't well, go well. Was that instinct or was <laughs> uh, he relying on his own paranoias, falling back on his own paranoias? Because I, I feel know. like that was... That's a good question. His, I feel like that was more he was playing on his fears. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that was some yeah, um, that's, heavy Yeah, I feel like that's, uh, that's not more fact. instinct. That's more of a... Like, he's having, you know, these freakishly scary nightmares. He's freaked out. And as we read the Revenge of the Sith novelization back in our first few episodes of the Conjure Book Club, but hey, that he really goes through it mentally... Then, like Cheryl said, he overthought it, so he really wasn't letting the force flow through him. Mm-hmm. Like, I, it's just. Oh, go ahead, Timothy. Sorry. Yeah, I was just gonna say it's it's just it's interesting. I think because sometimes you can be so ingrained in a particular way that your instinct might be a lot of those lessons that you've already learned. If it it's an it can it can be an automatic thing. You don't have to think about it because it just happens because it's what you've always done. It's how you are immediately going to respond in this particular situation. Yeah. So I I think it's just it's interesting to see a a conflict there possibly. I was gonna say to your point, Timothy. I remind it's remind me of like the first Bane Path of Destruction where he talks about the training and how they mm-hmm. go through the sequences. And that they have to be so in tune with the Force to go through all their sequences that it's by memory. It's like first mm-hmm. instinct and secondhand nature. That's a that's a good parallel, I think. Yeah. Um, I want to call out. Somehow I missed the conversation on Arby's fries, uh, <laughs> but uh, Mike says, for example, Patrick had bad instincts when he attacked Arby's Absolutely. fries, um, and. I, I don't know which fries that we're talking about, but the only fries that don't deserve to be attacked from Arby's are the curly fries. And I'm just going to leave it at that. Wait, um, don't like the curly fries? So, no, I love the curly. The curly fries are fine. Curly, fi- curly fries are fantastic. Normal fries. No, no. Sorry, Wait, Arby's. So, all right, I just need your answer on this and be honest. Okay. Who has the best fries? I am going to... Uh, take some time no 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 dodge the question no no dodge the I'm not no dodge the question <laughs> um I'm wrestling with it gut reaction I don't like this game I can tell you definitively that waffle fries could die in a hole somewhere so Chick-fil-A's out Chick-fil-A's out I I like them okay but sometimes they can be too it's soggy like, and I'm just not about that life fresh Fresh bag of hot salted McDonald's fries. Can I? Can I? Can I? Can I uh, use a different potato option and say that uh, Sonic's cheese tater tots are where it's I... at, and just let that count? Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Thank you, and thank you. <laughs> exactly, Cheryl. Exactly. Cop out. No. 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 We said French fries. Right. Fine, Mick. McDonald's fries are amazing. I have personally not had them in over five years, but yes, they are delicious. It's a weird, it's a weird bet. My wife and I signed a contract. We're not going to eat McDonald's fries. It's a weird thing. Is oh god, Mike with the quote of the day: Americans fighting over fast food or fries as we do. Yeah, who's got the greasiest yeah, cheeseburger? I, I wanna- I want to come back with a more intelligent answer maybe next week because uh, I just there are too many things to think about. I mean, like, I mean, some are curly. What about crinkle fries, shoestring fries? 
And if we're going shoestring, like like Freddy's has some fantastic fries. Um, there's some of the best, and it's a lot, so you get more bang for your buck. But here's here's the most important thing. The most important thing I've learned in all of my life. What is the most important fry? The most important fry in the in the fry box. Oh, the fry bag, bag. What is the most important fry? The bag fries. The most important fry. The most important important fry, Patrick, is the next one. The next one. There you go. When you get to the end and there's not one, devastating. The most important fry is the next one. There is rules. Okay. If you ask somebody to go pick up McDonald's, Chick-fil-A, whatever, and you order fries and you expect your fries to be intact, you're an idiot because there's taxes. That's the shipping and handling fee. So I will eat some of your fries. That's by rule. Yeah, I will. I will also give you guys a pro tip that if you are picking fries up from a drive through um, on your way home and you don't want your fries to be cold or to be upset when you get home and they're cold, you order an additional fry intentionally for the ride home because we're Americans and this is what exactly. we do. So you, you get you a medium. If you're going to get a large, put it in the bag, leave it alone, but you order a medium to tide you over on the way home. So you still get something nice and fresh. Anyways. Or if you're a true asshole like me, you um just eat the other person's fries first. I like my <laughs> friends, and I try I try not to ruin friendships. <laughs> um, and speaking of someone who doesn't want to ruin friendships and might even be trying to start one, Fandeka, back in the 25 years earlier, uh, she decides to not give up. And I thought that that was really cool. She wants to try to fight this through. She decides to come up with the the move to get the communications device, trying to salvage a relationship with Castle and that planet. I loved it. I loved her little bit here. And I'm really interested to see how it all plays out. I've already read the book, but I'm still interested to see how it all plays out. Let's talk about the present day stuff, though. Um, On the Maxine station, Wreath learns about these pods because, you know, Des is alive. We learn about these pods, um, and he knows that there has to be more of them on the station. It's this ancient technology. It's used to transport people to different parts of the galaxy nearly instantly. I'm a bit surprised, honestly, that we haven't seen anything like this before. But I had a fun question that I want to ask you all. Um, if you were in charge of the station, and you had all of the pods at your disposal, Adam, I'm going to start with you. Where would you like the pods to go? Star Wars universe. These pods are designed to go to different planets, different stations, wherever across the galaxy. Where would you want your pods to go? How would you design the space station? Uh, am I picking planets that I would just want to yeah, use the, yeah, the station sure. for? Like, like for me, for instance, like I love a good rainstorm. I love listening to rain sounds when I go to sleep. I'm going to want one of those pods to go to Camino. Like I might just have a bunk on Camino, right? But there are times that I'm what I'm gonna be on Naboo. I'm gonna have one go to Naboo just to chill, like easy vacation, hands down. Um, yeah, I'm not going to Tatooine, Alexander. No, I am not going. Too much sand, too much sand. If there was, if it was a sandy <laughs> beach and there was water there that I could maybe chill at and read a book, maybe. But no. So th- that's that's what I'm thinking, Adam. Where where would you want your pods to go? So. So Tatooine is on my list, but it would be like an Anakin Star Tours, right? I go where I he goes and I take a picture, and but like in particular a Hayden Christensen okay. Star Tour. So I'd go to Tatooine, I go to Naboo. Hell, I'd go to Mustafa. Good God. You know? <laughs> just just take some yeah. nice pictures. Go to the go to Coruscant. Go to the Jedi younglings room. Take a little picture, mm-hmm. a little selfie. You know, just. Yeah, that's, that's uh, what I uh, did. So Chris me. says that he would go to Alderaan. I think that you would probably go to Alderaan after it was destroyed because <laughs> so that's just how, how how you would do. Yeah, I'd take like a little bit of like a little rock, you know, just oh, I'll go uh-huh. to Alderaan in my yeah. hand. Pa- Patrick, I hope that your <laughs> destinations are a little less disastrous. Where would you go? Scarif. Yeah. Scarif? Okay. <laughs> yes, like Yo, Scarif is dope. It's Scarif beautiful. It's like giant Bahamas. I'm trying to and there's not that many people to, who's there to get on your nerves. Nobody. Nobody. Scarif Scarif is officially Space Bahamas. Is that, that what we're going yep. with? I wonder if like also before the Empire was Scarif like the place where they used like tax evasion? Was it like Space Cayman Islands? <laughs> Probably. Cheryl Cheryl gives us a good answer. She says she'd go to Lothal uh, because of Loth Wolves and the, the Loth Kitties. 
I I support that answer. Um, I also want to go wherever there are purgle. Um, I'm all well, about the purgle looks like life. Space Kansas. Maybe I can. I said it. Space Kansas. Space Kansas. Space Kansas? I thought you yeah. get him. I said. Okay. It. I said what I said. I thought you'd get a Mustafa Timothy because Obi Wan betrayed a friend there, and you know that's the life that you live. <laughs> no comment. No comment. Let's talk about the Dark Side Idols. That was a fun game. Let's talk about these Dark Side Idols. I thought it was interesting that uh, there was a comment that true masters are working on the whole purification process, right? And if Yoda were there, he would have led the meditation to purify it. Like, there's Yoda again. He's like already top dog at like 600 years old like he's killing it but he's like nowhere to be found um i thought it was interesting by killing it do you mean killing the uh, jedi order <laughs> <laughs> he could have had pto yep I, i'm just saying he could be on vacation do jedi get pto he he's watching he's watching them kids for those of you that aren't reading daniel jose older's uh comic he's out there watching them kids were y'all surprised at all that these idols are of the force dampening variety? Like they were holding the dark side on the station, holding the drinker back. Like, were you surprised or disappointed at all to learn that they were not containing the evil? How did y'all think about that? Patrick, let's start with you. I thought it was a fantastic plot twist. I was like, oh, wait. It's almost like, wait, the Sith actually did something. They did something right. Mm. And yeah, we're going to get to that. Oh, 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 we're not going to get there just yet? I'm sorry. I mean, I mean, I mean, we can go ahead. Like, yeah, Comac said that the Red Blade, or Dringer, in, in talking around Comac, said that the Red Blades are what put them there. Like, what? Girl, do you know how scary you have to be for the Sith to be like, nah, F this, no. Nah. You you keep your asses right where we can see you. Right here. No, you go nowhere. He's like, yeah, we'll fight right? the Jedi all day like, long, but no, we are not listening to the talking vegetables. Yeah, no, definitely surprised. Um, Adam, what, what did you think about this this reveal? Uh, I really liked it. Um, I think they've seen a few examples in the past of objects being imbued with the dark side, um, like in Legends, and not so much in Canon. So it was nice to see a little bit of a twist that the idols were actually there mm-hmm. to help keep. So I thought that was, yeah, a nice little... Uh, nice little narrative addition. Especially, it also it also showed just a little bit of hubris as well. Like, oh, we'll just take the idols and we'll just go fix the idols. So without any without any real on site investigation, they just assumed they were right. Just yeah, it. that's a really good point. And I'm wondering if if they had a a different set of Jedi masters, if it was somebody else, if they would have been able to tell that on the station, like that the Dringer were the ones that were being held back. I don't know. I do have um, a question. I, I don't know how that. How the pro- yeah, go for so, it. So, I wonder, all right, so if they knew there were a bunch of giant talking vegetables on the space station, could the Sith have been like, ooh, let's get rich. If we hold them in place with the idols, we can cut them down and flash freeze them, and boom, we have uh, Sith uh, frozen vegetables, and we can corner the market. Maybe. that You know, that kind of brings up a similar point, right, of... You know, the drinker mentioned, and I know we're going to be all over the show notes today. The drinker mentioned, right, that they beat the Amaxines, that they kind of pushed them back. And then the dark side, uh, the Sith or whoever, the Red Blades, kept them there. Why didn't the Sith take over the station? Because why would they want to sit in like, space in the middle of nowhere? No, because the pods go literally anywhere. Like, If it was, I don't know, like whoever the Sith were that would have done this, however long ago it was, they could have used it as part of their plan to take over the Jedi, to destroy everything, to run the galaxy. Like, why wouldn't they have done that? But I think it might still, I think at that point, you know, they're they're kind of still in hiding. Um, Now, I just look at the station as it just seems a little bit too public still, a little bit too in your face like look when we had the uh the the incident happen there were multiple ships that just stumbled across it um including the jedi for instance um so i can definitely see that the station would maybe just be a little bit too difficult to be thinking up excuses on the spot as to why we're there especially with especially with the the guild always Um, using it as well that's true for scovabine all right question Hmm. 
So it's not it's not just sitting there what kind if that of empty. Sith was close to retirement. Like he was about to get his Sith pension, and <laughs> all he wanted to do was retire to Alderaan, play golf, um, join the country club, um, smoke cigars with his buddies, and you know just enjoy himself. Have um, have some apprentices. You know, and have one of them get strong enough to kill him in his sleep at the ripe old age of 82. Yeah. Cheryl brings up, you know, not everyone wants to rule a galaxy. So, you know, maybe, maybe to Mike's point, uh, you know, maybe Bane had a pretty sweet house. So, yeah, maybe they want to move and just, you know, hang out and play golf some more. Uh, you know, get their country club membership, get some riches, have a secret study. And they're they're not ready for that kind of commitment. Um, and I think, I think that that makes sense. I buy that. Uh, but I am interested in who the Darksiders were. I want to know who the Sith was. Like, I wonder if we're going to get that story. I hope so. Um, someone who's... All right, question. Yeah. I bet you... If they do have country clubs, because... All right, remember in Legends how all the Sith, but after this time, were kind of rich? Like, Plagueis is, like, hell loaded. I mean, we say all of the Sith, and there were probably, what, like, two of them at the time? I mean, still richer. That's all of them, and yeah. they're still hella loaded. Yeah, okay. I bet you he had a mean golf game. Probably. Because I bet you he had, like, played at the best courses. I bet- Also, he cheated, too. He's like, did that ball go out of bounds? <laughs> I think not. Turns it think- in midair back onto that fairway. <laughs> Who's the, uh... Who, who would be the Star Wars equivalent of Nike? Um... Like, like, is he sponsored by, is it XCOM? Uh, who, who is it that develops the, the X-Wigs? I can't remember. Incom, I think. Yeah. Maybe he's got an Incom sponsorship, right? To be fair, Nike would pay any amount of money to Disney to just be Nike <laughs> in really the galaxy. That's, far, far that's fair. The Air Skywalkers. <laughs> that's fair. They, they just change the, uh, the, the check. They just, like, flip it backwards or something. Who knows? They just have a billboard in the next, like, uh... In the next movie, it's like Air Skywalker's with Anakin holding a pair of couple of tennis shoes over his neck, looking like <laughs> Michael Jordan. You you know the Jedi Order is sponsored by Puma. Are they Puma or Adidas people? I feel like they're Puma people. No, they're Under Armour people. Guys, we, we're uh, being told to focus. Uh, well, <laughs> someone who could have leaned dark side and, and maybe had a little bit of, uh, of a possibility to get there is Wreath. Um... Not that he actually went that way, but he is pretty full of vengeance. Um, you know, right after he learns about Jormali's death, he then learns that Nan and Haig were Nile. He goes to the Jedi uh, temple training area and just about rips droid's head off. I mean, like, like he is in his feelings. Um, and I thought that was really interesting. And then whenever he's confronting the Dringer, you know, though he doesn't seek adventure, he's that experience alone was proof that he can hold his own. Um, and he is pretty quite savvy. Any prominent thoughts on wreath in this particular section? Um, Adam, let's start with you. Yeah. I think that, uh, Timothy and Patrick, we have definitive proof that Hermione was right in Harry Potter, that you can learn Mm. anything from books and wreath shows that. But also I, uh, I really did like wreath on the planet with the drain gear. Um, I think it's, he's coming from a place of, of worry and, and anxiety and he doesn't think that he should be in this situation he doesn't think that he should be out there in the first place and to see him be able to hold his own was yeah it was nice um that like when push comes to shove that you know if you have those skills and that you we literally been practicing his whole life like they will come to you in the moment and yeah he patrick you got any thoughts it's called that boy was studying all his life for this moment he came in the clutch yeah I loved that he was able to like to think and to to pause for just a moment. Like he's in a freaky situation, but he's like, no, I'm going to question them. I'm going to like seem like I'm genuinely interested in what they're doing to buy myself a little bit of time. And I thought that was so well done. Um, I loved, loved seeing him do that. Um, And on this planet. Oh, go for it. I was just saying very clever. Yeah. Yeah. Really smart. Um, On this planet also is Dez. Dez is not dead. Dez is very much alive. He was knocked unconscious. He was poisoned. He was beaten, questioned for days by the Dringer. And then 
we get his little side story briefly. Like they want him to fight someone. So they pump him full of adrenaline. He gets into this frenzy. He mows down a dringer with a lightsaber. And then we find that they grow back, which is interesting. Uh, how did you feel well, about him? Vegetables, not- Timothy. Of course they grow back. <laughs> how, how did you feel about him not being dead and in his current state, Patrick? And, and do you think that he's going to recover without spoiling anything going forward? Yeah, I think he's going to recover. I feel like Jedi have survived worse than that. Mm. Also, you're a Jedi. You got poisoned a little bit. You're still alive. They got yeah. tri- they got healing techniques. You you'll be all right. Suck yeah. it up. He you're you're an intergalactic warrior. Stop all that crying. <laughs> um, I uh, I did see a little bit of a connection, just not at all this universe related. I just finished watching The Legend of Korra on Netflix. Oh my god, it is so good. Uh, but there's, you know, a moment in there where the lead character gets poisoned and it kind of messes with her her mental state a bit. Like, it's going to take some effort to get that out. Um, and I just read Dark Empire 2, and there's something that kind of happens there as well. You know, Luke is poisoned and uh, Vima Deboda has to try to help get the poison out of him. Like, this is something that we've seen, I think, a lot um, throughout it's like fictional stories. It takes a couple t- a days, but, you know... Once you uh, throw up copious amounts of times and drink enough water to get your strength back and not die in the bathroom, you'll be all right. (laughs) Uh, Chris asks a lot of great questions. Uh, I recommend going to our TV shows channel in Discord to see what all we have to say about uh, Korra and any TV shows that our people are watching. I love this community for so many different reasons. Definitely check it out. Adam, what did you think about Des being alive and do you think that he's going to recover? Uh, I do think that he'll recover to, I think to a certain extent, like in in a way that he is a he is a prisoner of war. He has been tormented by this new enemy that is force sensitive and force sensitive to the dark side, which for you know for a Jedi is is something else entirely. Look at Loading Great Storm in Light of the Jedi and how he was. I think that's been out long enough. He's how he was affected by Martian Rowe at the end of that story and like i think one can recover but one can recover only so much without the trauma of it following you um look at soldiers sailors and airmen in in the real world now um and how they can be affected by you know just one incident or prolonged exposure to a war zone um it's like he was literally what tied up tormented threatened to be eaten by a giant plant that he has never seen nor has anyone seen anywhere? It's like probably not in the archives. Like he's just—he's literally living someone's yeah. nightmare. Yeah, it—it's going to stay with you in some way, shape, or form. Patrick, do are we sure that the Jedi did not know about these plant creatures? I don't know. I don't know because I feel like that's one of the things that was like, oh, it was in one reference, um, one like reference holocron. That yeah, you know, you kind of gotta do the Control F search for uh, Den Gear. Maybe, uh, maybe Wreath didn't spend enough time in herbology to, uh, <laughs> to, to read up on them, but th- no, there is but a, did. Hey, yo. The, there is a question there though, that I have regarding the Dringer. Um, and that's, you know, Adam, you're right. Like he's living a nightmare pretty much, you know, pumped with poison, pumped with adrenaline. There's a lot of stuff, you know, going on with that real world wise. Were you spoiled by the Dringer concept art. The fact that we got it so early, did it at all have an effect on how you read this book? Um, like, some people seem to be a bit spoiled. I personally, like, completely missed the connection. Like, I saw it, but, like, it happened so long ago, I was kind of, like, thrown off. Uh, like, I just forgot about it. Um, or did it, like, did it make you excited that you actually had something to envision what the Dringer looked like when they were attacking? I don't know. How, how, did, how did knowing... Did you know? What did you think about that? Um, to be honest, for a lot of the marketing at the start, I kind of just blew over it. I wasn't really paying all that much attention because I just wanted to kind of read the story, not yeah. be spoiled too much. Um, but so when I was reading it, and, I, and you know, you look up, see if there's any kind of fan art for a lot of characters perhaps that you're reading in the story, and then the official concept art comes up. So when reading it, and then going and purposely looking for it it like it made a big difference i think it was really helpful 
Um, I think if I had seen it prior to reading the story, I, I wouldn't mm. have been fussed. I'm the I'm someone that listens to say the Living Force Roundtable right. without him re- reading the book. Like I'm not that kind of spoiler conscious on myself. I am for other people, but for me, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not too fussed, kind of thing. Um, but it, but it was nice to have that concept yeah. up there when reading it. And the concept up, I think, is great too. Like they are. Yeah, I, I think a great. mix of um, of the concept art and then seeing how they've been portrayed in in the comics a little bit um, has helped me to get a little bit more of an understanding. Of, oh, like these are bad. Uh, but yeah, I, I had no idea. I, I don't think I ever made the connection between the two. And similar to you, I'm not very spoiler conscious either even if i know you know a lot like dave filoni said about um rebels like even if people know what happens they don't know how it happens um he already said that about season seven of clone wars like we know that some things happen we know that some people stay alive uh, but we don't know exactly how and i i like i like that um and i i love that we have this aid to get us through patrick did it did it affect you at all it did not one thing about it, it was, when I was listening to it, I honestly had a different image of what they looked like in mind. They looked, um, if any of y'all seen, like, the cartoon Harley Quinn, mm. I thought they kind of looked like Frank the Plant. Okay. And so, I didn't, and I'm, I'm like, Tim, um, I'm like Adam, I skipped over the concept art, because it was like, eh, they'll be along sooner or later, but, eh. Yeah, there's a bit, too, about... You know, concept art, like a lot of the characters that we saw in concept didn't actually make it to the story or they were slightly altered or changed. So I think whenever I see concept art in general, I'm like, oh, that's a neat design, a neat idea. Who knows what it'll actually be like in practice. So also by definition, it's like, is it going to be like what we finally see of them or is it just like one idea? Yeah, it's not finished. Right. Because remember, um, what was the game? Remember like the uh, Star Wars game that Came with the original Xbox? Mm, I'm trying to think. It was like uh, Clone Wars or something? Maybe. Or Republic Commando? I remember Commando. they had this... Something like that. And it had like a whole like large sheet of um, like concept art with it. And it was just a bunch of like what they were originally going to go with for how um, how like a lot of the people, the vehicles, and the places looked. And then it's like, oh. So that's that. From there, I just never took concept art like... As like, you know, concrete. Right. Like, oh, this is other ideas they had. Looks cool. But yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Well, I wanted to get y'all's thoughts on it because I know that some some people, excuse me, are affected very different ways. So that's good to know. I'm glad that it didn't disrupt um, any of our readings too much. Um, let's talk about Comac and Orla. Um, I'm still super interested in these two. Um, and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. So it seems to me that in Orla's pursuit of the force of being a Jedi, whatever. It seems to me that she just wants another perspective and may want to avoid, you know, challenging what she knows. Whereas Comac wants a fight. Like he wants to directly challenge the authority um, that taught him everything he knows without actually leaving it. So like he may be more about accountability where Orla might be more into discovery and bringing something else in. Does, does that sound right to you, Patrick? Yes. Um, He's also, he just sounds like he also wants, he wants, like you said, he wants a fight, but like a nice argument. Mm -hmm. Like, especially when it comes to the emotional side of things. And I understand why, because, you know, when you lose someone and they kind of, kind of played it off like, oh, we should not mourn him like that. He's like, what do you mean? Mm -hmm. Just died. Like, no, no, this hurts. That was like. What am I supposed to do? Like, I can't just let this go. You know? Yeah. You don't just let someone you care for, like, their their death. You don't just let that go, no matter who you are. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's interesting to me because, and, you know, I think Orla mentions it herself that she's trying to figure out, like, she might just be trying to run away kind of blissfully, um intact i I don't know it's just it's really interesting and i think last week when i was trying to figure out how they're different i think this is how i found that they might be different adam what what do you think does that make sense to you yeah it does i think that uh comac is qui-gon before Mm. being qui-gon was cool um like it is it's it's healthy to question um 
like if you're in a in a real life job that demands obedience you throw a uniform on question what you're doing um be brave enough to do so i think for comac to to challenge something that really he has been indoctrinated in through his whole life is brave in its own right um you know they're not really throwing their lightsabers around at this point so you know sometimes the bravest thing to do is to stand up to the jedi code and the jedi council in in this age and you know he's showing that and i think that's why he's a favorite of many at this point yeah so where do you think orla lines on that since she's not trying to challenge it seems more like she's she's kind of running away looking for a different avenue um i I don't know how how do you feel about her in this situation too i think that um all the situation is like probably how is your perspective it's very subjective on what Mm. she's doing you know you might think that she's running away or she's putting herself on a journey um and and that's where i kind of lead is that she is going on a journey t- to answer these questions that she may be having she doesn't she she doesn't think that the questions are going to be answered at the temple so she is becoming that wayfinder so she can go find them herself like she has the tools to do it mm-hmm. and she might never come back but she yeah it's just and and, and again that's also brave right she could just stay right. content and and kind of be nice and happy surrounded by her fellow jedi but then but she's choosing to go into the unknown. Is that really running away when you're you're going into the abyss, into the void of space by yourself, where you know something could happen and no one knows what's what's happened to you? So um, yeah, I don't see it as running away. I think it's it's the next step in her journey, kind of to commune with the Force. Yeah, they, they fascinate me because they both have similar problems and they handle them so differently, and, and they're both maybe right. Um, in the ways that they're doing it, uh, respectively. And for as much as they're kind of changing things and they are, um, you know, having similar issues, they're both fine with skirting around the rules. Um, <laughs> uh, as we, as we see in this section, like they have orders to not go back to the station. And what do they do? They steal the idols from, from the temple and then take them back to the station. Um, so my question here is, do you think that they were right to steal the idols and take them back to the station? Um, and or is the council right for requesting that they don't? Adam, let's start with you. No, I do. I do think that they are right to, to take the idols and because they have to go fix the mistake that they made. Mm. And the council would like them to just not do that, bury their heads in the sand that like they want to do. But like we talked about it a little while ago like the hubris of taking them in the first place when you think that you're right you are not always right guys um so i think it's very important that they get those idols and they take them back and they fix the mistake that they did um because it's not just going to affect them it's going to affect anyone who comes across the station and not only that is the drenge as we've talked about have the ability to go where they want to go on that station and that needs to stop now yeah so so i think that i think it's an easy answer i think for us to go that particular route because the we we could because we know like like we we are the audience that happens to know everything that happened on the station the council doesn't see that so i think that they also could be right in the fact that there are plenty of other disasters and plenty of other things going on that they know for sure need to be dealt with so I don't know. I, I, I find it interesting. Patrick, what do you think? Yes. Stop the talking vegetables that are carnivorous. Put that in there <laughs> yeah. to, um, from taking over. Which 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 they also didn't know. They to be fair, Orla and Kovac didn't know that there were talking vegetables on the to station. To be fair, but that's one of those situations where um when you found out it was a barrier, it was it became an FFS. Yeah, they know an there's F something bad situation happening. And yeah. they were about to F around and find out. And I think we'll see next week, too. I think we'll see the council maybe come around on this. Um, and, you know, they, they may relent on some things. But, Adam, go ahead. I think they're just a little bit of common sense, I think, needs to be applied to the situation. Like, you have a very experienced Jedi Knight, a very respected Jedi Master, a kid that has just lived in books, mm-hmm. telling, like, basically telling you that 
these idols were keeping something dark at bay. I think that that should just be enough, right? Like, yeah. we thought that the darkness in the idols was a thing. They're not. Oh, crap. They're actually keeping something at bay. We felt darkness on the station. Like, how much do you really need? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. um, go fix it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, you know, people trying to fix things is a very prominent part of this book. Um, Affy finds herself in a very similar position, right? And I, I want to talk about her relationship with her foster mom, um, you know, and the decisions that end up laying in front of her, like confronted with everything that she knows, like she's coming to this pivotal moment in her life and you can really feel her wrestling through the cognitive dissonance, right? Like Scover and the guild may not be exactly who she thought they always were. And at the end of this section, she thinks that she can change Scover, that more information presented to her may be able to change Scover's mind. Patrick, do you think that's possible? Oh, it's one of those things where it's like you're trying to change a person, a grown adult, and that you're trying to change who they are, even when they know daggone mm-hmm. well what they're doing. It's like, uh, and you want to see them change. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Cheryl. I think she's naive in thinking she can change because you don't change grown adults. They don't typically, ch- they don't typically differ from where they started. They just. I, it's I a think tough situation. It's fine to hope, though. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there is a chance. I mean, you never know until you try. Um, and I, I think what I appreciate about this section is Affy, Affy does try to think through some possibilities. Um, and she, she at least gives and gives a chance, um, for that to happen. You know what it kind of reminded me of, hmm. um, I was watching a documentary and they were bringing like, it was about Pablo Escobar and the, the children and how they viewed him like growing up. It's like, huh, you didn't think of him as this, you know, psychotic drug Lord when you're growing up. But until mm. until you had uh, the evidence in your face, honestly, is that how she felt about her mom? You know, didn't think of her as yeah. like super corrupt um, shipping right. CEO. But yeah, I mean, like like she's just hit with all this information, so it's going to take some time to process. Like she's going to have to wrestle through it, come up with her own. Um, She's going to have to get there on her own time, I think. Adam, what did you think about Affie and, and her foster mom situation here with Scover? I think it just showed, really, where Affie is in her life, her age, her maturity level. Um, take into account the fact that she lost her parents and Scover took her in, and I think that that is a relationship. Though Scover might not be exactly all that intimate and and give compassion due to how her species views that kind of thing. But like, there is that Affy has that um, that loyalty to her because of that, and that plus naivete will send her to a, a a dangerous station to try and fix it, try and make it go away. But in the end, like you guys talked about, she's going to have to come to the realization that Scover is a grown ass adult, mm-hmm. and she made these mistakes, and she was willing to put the people at risk in the first place, including her parents, which means that she's probably going to keep doing it. Um, yeah. Her, her prefrontal cortex is not fully developed yet. Like, give, give her some time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like, if we were to come across that as adults, we would just be like, well, you're done. Right. But, but, we, but we're also, we haven't grown up with Scova. We haven't done this. We haven't done that. So I think that, yeah, Affie's just, yeah, just, and kind of just doesn't want to come to, maybe she, maybe there is that, She's already kind of on that track, but she's just not ready. She's to 17, right? Yeah. Is it said exactly how old she is in here? If I have forgotten. I cannot remember, honestly, off the top of my head. But this being a young adult novel, like, it makes sense. Like, this could be one of her first big life-changing, you know, moments of of growth and clarity. Like, she's going to have to move past this. And I think that's what comes with these young adult novels, right? I think this is one of the lessons that Claudia Gray throws in the story. I think another one is the fact that the three Jedi-centric, like the Jedi-centric stories, they made a mistake that they need to work hard to fix it and no longer put others in danger. It just comes with the territory, I think. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. No, I, I love this discussion. Um, we do have a little bit more to get through. Not much. I, I've learned my lesson from last week. Um, I want to, I want to give a quick plug to Nan here. Um, were you surprised with the fact that she was Nile? Were, like, did it, did it throw you off completely to find this out or were you not surprised at all? I think it was a little bit of, a little bit of both. I think when it happened, I wasn't like 100% surprised because I was kind of thinking about things from the past. Patrick, what did you think um, about not about Nan being Nile? Were you surprised by that? Like, I like what Mike in the chat said because he summed it up perfectly. I was surprised, but I feel like I shouldn't mm. have been. Yes, like mm. I was like, oh, and I felt like it was so perfectly placed in there. Like another plot twist. I was like, yes, that's perfectly snuck in there. But I feel like I should have been like, ooh, should have seen that coming. Like she was a little too friendly at the beginning. Yeah, it's one of those like yeah, little old little girl with an an older man that's kind of fumbling around. Like I like I I should have been expecting it, but it still kind of took me back. Yeah, a bit. like um, like mm, 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 old person and little girl running around the galaxy. Mm-hmm, what are y'all up to? No good. This far out. Yeah. Well, and once again, and once again, just like Light of the Jedi, right? We're halfway through the book, and then we learn that uh, like. The Nile are here and the Dringer are also like the villain. Like, that's pretty wild that that we get this, you know, halfway through the book for the second time. Like the villains all of a sudden just now showing up. I, th- I thought that was really cool. And then Leox. Let's talk about Leox briefly. Uh, really, the only thing I have to say here is that his spice is medicinal. And uh, I'm sure you have words on that, Patrick. Oh, it's for his uh, quote unquote, look the air quotes, Timothy, glycoma. Ah, yes, yes, exactly. I I will say that we're gonna get some uh some more on that next week. I think talking about about Leox and his spice and its medicinal uses. Um, I do want to talk about some connections, some Easter eggs, some closing thoughts. Um, as we round this section out, uh, we got a brief mention to uh Minox on the asteroid. Whenever they're trying to find a way to to get back to the station. They see the Nile storm there. Uh, and Leox is like, you know, maybe they'll think that we're just Minox on the asteroid. And I immediately thought to Han and Leia and Chewie, uh, in the giant worm thing. I can't remember what it's called on the asteroid. And I love that little plug. Um, and then Scover also, um, she's staying at the Alessandre hotel, um, spelled very close to Alexander's name here in the chat. Uh, but the Alessandra Hotel, which is a luxury hotel in Coruscant, and it was featured in the Thrawn novel. I thought that was a cool little connection. Um, it played a pretty heavy role there. Um, as we get to the end of this, um, Patrick, what what are you looking forward to? One of my favorite things I'm looking forward to is the ending of the flashback storyline. Hmm. Yeah, getting some resolvement in the 25 years earlier section. Yes, I uh, want to see that. And also see how it plays in the finale of the main story life. Yeah, yeah. I I am right there with you. Um, like we talked a little bit about last week, I'm understanding it a lot better this time around on the second read um, and seeing how it connects. Um, Adam and Peyton, if, if y'all have a particular thing, what are you most looking forward to in the next section? Uh, Peyton would like some more geode. <laughs> Perfect. To be honest, mate. Perfect. Yeah. Big geode fan. And, and don't, don't <laughs> think that I forgot about geode either. Um, I just learned my lesson from last week and literally saved him for the end of, of the show. Uh, literally saved him for after we talk about everything else, because it's just awesome. Do, do we want to talk about geode now? Are we ready for that? Patrick, what do you think? Are we, we ready? We ready. We <laughs> ready. Adam, are you ready for some geode talk? I know that I'm ready. Are you ready, Peyton? She's like, she's like I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> um, geode, our favorite. Why is that guy sitting in a closet? <laughs> yeah, right. I have, I have, I have no idea. I have no idea. I would have words, but there's a child present. <laughs> Um, Geode is awesome. As we've talked long, long, long time about, Geode hits the clubs. Nobody knows how he does it. 
he's just he's a crazy man he's a wild man um geo knows some cd characters like who could get him some weapons to raid the station again what i want to talk about this moment where is where's that thriller of of him growing up as a teen you know rough on the streets just trying to make it like he knows some guys um and he came up with the plan to stay invisible in orbit to attach himself to the asteroid patrick what are your thoughts on this man when he was a young rock formation <laughs> yes is he the best character in star wars is geode i want to know is geode the best i want to know does he have like a club outfit because you just can't go naked to the club like that well you, you can come out the club like that but you can't go in like you gotta look nice going in i'm imagining that like he probably gets pressure washed in certain places like he probably pressure washes a tie on you know, like maybe pressure washes a collared shirt just to change his stone color a little <laughs> bit. I don't know. Adam, what do you think about Geo? Is he the best character in Star Wars? I think we talked about this like in the first episode, man. He's he's going to become a legacy character. You know, he's going to be up there with the Han and the Leia's and the Luke's and the Anakin's. He's, he's going to be error defining. Absolutely. Error defining. Absolutely. <laughs> Here's a, a fun question. If Geode were a Jedi, who would he most be like, and what would his lightsaber color be? Adam, let's start with you. I think that his lightsaber would interchange colors because no one color is quite good enough for the Geode. Yep. And as for the way, as for what he believes, I think that he'd just be himself, Timothy. He'd just be like. I'm Geode, master, grandmaster of the Jedi Order. Yeah, I, I I buy that. Patrick, how about you? What is his lightsaber color, and who would he most be like? Uh, oh, he'd have a black, like, onyx hilt, silver blade, like crystalline silver blade. Mm -hmm. And, um, oh, he'd be like Obi-Wan. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Just just chilling, handsome. Completely calm, Doing cool, well. collected, ready for anything. Exactly. I got you. So my geode is multifaceted. I think I'm going to steal uh, Adam's answer here and say that his lightsaber is going to be multicolored. Um, I think he's going to be able to, to switch it out. Um, you know, I think he'll have a couple of, of kyber crystals in there. I think his primary one is gold, though. I think he's rocking the gold saber through and through. But when the time comes, I think he's going to flip to some blue, maybe a little bit of green. In terms of who he's most like, I think he's a combination of people. I think when it comes time for him to hit the club, I think he's Rail Avaros. 100%. Oh. 100%. When he's at the club, he is Rail freaking Avaros. When he is, you know, saving the world, uh, when he is trying to stand for truth and justice in a way that only a giant rock creature can, I think he is immovable in his principles like Obi-Wan. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That giant rock creature, beautiful rock person. Beautiful rock person, specimen. And then I would like to say that... Crystalline formation? That when he is when he is up to no good, when he is dealing with people on the black market... When he is spooking people in the kitchen, I think those things embody Anakin Skywalker to a T. You know you like to crack the jokes. You know he likes to spook up on people. And you know he knows some seedy characters. Like, 100%. I think this man is a combination of Obi-Wan, Anakin, and Rail Avaros. Wait, I think Obi-Wan knows more seedy characters than Anakin. Maybe. That whole they, he did Think he did it. have that whole stint in the Clone Wars when he's uh, pretending to be the bounty hunter, right? That and he was who's Hondo's like main connect, Obi Wan. Or I was gonna say, um, dang it, we just talked about him in a book not too long ago. Uh, what's his name? Oh, Quinlan Voss. Yes, there you go. Yeah, I think that that's close to where I was going with my Rail Everos stint. But yeah, I, I think he's got a little Quinlan in him too. I could get behind that. Okay. I could get behind that. See, I don't know if Qu uh, Rail knows that many CD characters anymore. Maybe not. We know Quinlan doesn't, because he did. No, I'm just kidding. Um, 
Wait, is Quinlan dead? Nah, I think he's still kicking. He's a... Yeah, I was about to say, what did... I'm just, I'm just playing. I'm just messing around. Don't, don't break my heart like that. <laughs> don't... Well... It's Saturday afternoon. Don't do things like that to I me. will be good. I'm scared. I'll be good. Let's close I'm this... I'm so scared. Let's close this out. Adam, favorite moments, favorite characters. Give it to us. Uh, I think uh, favorite moment was... I just the. Oh, did you? <laughs> was the realization that um, of the mistake they made with the idols, I think, and everything that that came with, just that they brought it back to begin with without really any real thought or any real investigation. And then the fact that they just went, no, we're going to take it back and fix our mistake. Mm. And I think it was just more Comac. Um, great character, Yeah, I think. Um, we I think that every era needs this type of character, someone who who calls into question every calls into question things that he was taught. We need it. So what do you think? Oh, okay. like, I'll, I'll talk only when not directly asked a question. <laughs> yeah, Patrick. What about you? Favorite moments? Favorite characters? Favorite moment when we found out that the Sith put put a barrier there to keep the talking vegetables from taking over. Okay. Mm. I mean, who doesn't want to see Darth Revan put a uh, put a force barrier there 3000 years before to keep the that would to keep the jolly green giant the carnivorous jolly green giant from taking over the galaxy. Yeah. That that would be nuts, especially after all the talk that Reven got this week. Uh that would on Twitter. You need you need a Twitter, Patrick. Get on Twitter. Yeah, what I miss? What we'll, I miss? We'll talk about it after the show at some point. But it is a lot. Dumb dumb Star Wars gate- gatekeeping stuff. <laughs> ah, yeah. ah, ah. And for me, I think my favorite moment, um, I think is is the whole Dringer scene on their planet, uh, where we've got Wreath and Dez going at it, um, him trying to rescue Dez. There's just the the way that Wreath was able to keep calm and collected, um, I, I loved that. Um, on the, the favorite character front, it's Geode, but really, uh, I love, I love Comac and Orla still. I, I think they're a highlight in this book. Um, and I'm really interested to see, depending on how next week goes, I'm really interested to see if we're going to get more of them and what, what that looks like. Um, if they stay tight, um, you know, what, how all that's going to develop. I think there's a lot of cool stuff that can be done there and I am here for it that's gonna be it everybody thank y'all so much uh for listening and for participating in the conjure book club this week we will be back next week to talk through into the dark chapters 21 through 26 in the meantime you can find us on twitter at conjure book club i am on twitter at underscore t guthrie adam is at darkstar au and patrick is on discord at mac 11 you can follow the Utini Podcast Network account at Utini Network for updates on all of our shows, including exclusive Patreon releases. If you want to help support the show, consider leaving a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform. It'll help people find us and hopefully join our incredible community. You can also pick up the books we read on utini.com. Just look up the books you're interested in, click on one of our affiliate links in the, on the book profile pages, and you'll help keep us on the air and produce some more awesome content. You'll find links to Into the Dark and May's book, Thrawn Ascendancy, Greater Good, in the show notes and pinned to our chat in the Discord channel. If you'd like to help us out more directly, you can find us on Patreon or pick up some merch at utini.com forward slash merch. A special thank you to Sally and Chris Eilerson, Elizabeth Cloutier, Jason Mitchell, and Freddie C on our Alliance High Command Patreon tier, and Cheryl Bell, Patrick Ortiz, and Carl Sander on our Jedi High Council tier for their amazing support. And shout out to Adam, Patrick, and Peyton for podcasting with us today. May the Force be with you, everyone. 